Shalom and thanks for joining us. You're listening to the Elect Life Podcast Edition with Liz McGee. We hope you enjoy the journey as Liz takes you through her mystical insights from ancient Jewish writings. You'll find more info on the website at theelectlife.org. So go check it out and make sure you have oil in your lamp for the coming of Mashiach. And now your host, Liz McGee. Hello. Welcome to this episode, Prophecy the Last Hour. As I mentioned before in the last video, I'm starting to revisit this whole concept of the two houses of Israel. This is absolutely foundational, fundamental. This is probably one of the biggest areas, in my opinion, that has been lost and underemphasized and not properly taught in both houses. I have been at this for a long time. And I have really tried to find the roots. Where are the roots of this concept of birthright blessing? They, they show up in Abraham. Abraham receives both of these, the birthright and the blessing. The covenant is made, and it says that his seed will become a, a blessing in all the earth. This is, you know, I'm not going to pack too deeply, you know, have to be aware of these really deep Bible stories and the archetypes that's being taught in these. But I've now, I have looked up every single usage and worked it for quite a while on birthright and blessing and can bring it all the way back to Genesis now. Because I've always wondered, where is the start of this? Where do we get these biblical concepts? Nothing comes out of nowhere. Hebrew is such a precise language. It is always carrying forward an already very established understanding. That's why it's, uh, once you kind of get it and the, the rabbis, the, the sages understood, that's how you can, that's why it's so important to learn these things in the Hebrew. We're going to go over a lot of the Strong's numbers. Once you establish the basic theological, archetypal, primordial, primary you know, these are the words, the rush, the first meaning um, of something. And then you can see how the words, you know, words morph off of it, depending on where you put the vowels. It'll just clear up everything because our Torah is very, very linear. There's nothing haphazard. So in Genesis 1, or let's just say Genesis 1, 26 through 28, very famous verses. It's very important in the Hebrew. Again, learn Elohim. Elohim said, let us, so these are all clip, little clues. These are all remezes. This is full of remezes. Remember in the Peshat, hints to things. And I've done some teachings on this. We're not going to go into it like who us is per se. All right. Let us make man in our image, in, in our likeness, and let them rule. First word, rule over fish, birds, livestock, over all the creatures that move on the ground. Now, I've started to unpack those are very specific words. You know, and, and truly, people, remember, in the sowed level of understanding, which is what I teach, we're not talking about little birds. We're not talking about little creeping things, you know, the little insects. We are talking about these words that are used to describe other living souls, humanoid living souls that Yah created on the fifth and the sixth day. Okay, but we're on the sixth day and Yah says, Elohim says, he created man in his own image, in the image of Elohim, he created him male and female. So here we have our primordial archetype of the male and female of Adam and Eve. All right, 
But he said then, Yahweh or Elohim blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over it, over the fish, the birds, the living creatures that move on the ground. So establishing, this is what I was looking for for a long time. The foundational understanding. We know this. Adam was made. He was the last of Elohim's creatures to be made on the sixth day. And, and it'll tell you in a lot of the mystical writings that was necessary to happen last for Adam because all of the systems, so to speak, of creation had to be in place so that Adam could be crowned with the full ability to operate with, in, through, and above all these systems because he is the first king. King over Malkut. But because of the wiring that he gets, so to speak, from the top down, the thing flips itself. He is able to rule and to bless. These are your two words. To rule is the birthright. The birthright. And I'll just flush that out a little bit more. And the rights of the firstborn. So when you think of birthright, you have to think of the rights of the firstborn. When you think of blessing, Actually, the first usage of it, to establish it, that Yahweh uses this word blessing, and we're going to get into its roots and what it means. In Genesis 1.22, when he's talking about, on the fifth day, the living souls, three categories of living souls he made, and he was tempted to be fruitful and multiply. So in the word blessing is always a concept of being fruitful, of multiplying, of abundance, of blessing. All right. The opposite of blessing would be a famine, right? I mean, we don't have to go too deep to kind of get this. But these two words do have their origin in Genesis. This explains what the boys, Cain and Abel, were doing, why they felt it was necessary, what Adam and Eve were teaching the boys in sacrifice. This gives the, the backdrop to this whole, because sacrifice Again, didn't start with the temple period. It is what oldest traditions known to man, and especially in relationship to Elohim, God. All right? Now, let me just say these words are very specific. So we have established the archetype that it is Adam. It is the Adamite. And this is why in Hebrew, <laughs> I'm telling you, you have to learn, in my opinion, the root words you always have to look up the word in its Hebrew, find out what it is. I've taught this a lot, like in the different, you know, the three levels of the soul, the body, soul, and spirit. In the Greek, okay, fine, you got body, soul, and spirit, but it doesn't tell you the information that you can get in the Hebrew when you understand the nephish soul life in the body, the, um, the ruach soul life that's in our emotional life, in our you know, sort of the middle part of us, and then the neshama, this breath is our, that was breathed into Adam, is what I said, what was breathed into Adam, that he became this quote-unquote living soul, the, the highest ordered being, was the neshama, the breath of Elohim. Very specific concepts that are being delineated here. We're at the end, in my opinion, of the time of the Gentiles. The two days of Mashiach are done. The, the gospel, quote-unquote, to the nations has gone out. Every people group has heard that there is a way home, so to speak. And uh, it's, and it's 
it, again, it's an oral, it's a hearing, it's a speech. That is what is told. It doesn't have to have a Bible in everyone's language. This is accomplished. So we are, what's the next step? The next step is the restoration, as I've said, of the two houses. Uh, but there's a, there was an important nuance that I couldn't quite grasp. And I think I had even in my earlier videos, which I have not reviewed, I have a playlist on the two houses, Genesis or no, Exodus 4.22, very famous verse where Fair, uh, Moshe is told to go to Pharaoh and say, Israel is my son, my firstborn, and you are to let him go so he can worship me. I mean, there's just, again, so much soul level understanding just for the heck of it. Um, Pharaoh, Esau, these, these archetypes represent on one level, on the soul level, oh, the demonic side, the other side, the God of this world, the control that his is there that people can't come under, all right? Now, this birthright, then there's another verse in Jeremiah, and it says um, that Ephraim is my firstborn son. And I thought, well, now that's, how do I, I have to harmonize, all right? It's taken me years, people, to figure this out. So I finally got to go back to Genesis, and I saw it there. The birthright and the blessing started with Adam. And then he said, he said, uh, and you can see it right in there in the words, all right? And I'll show you that. So when he reestablishes these covenants and he reestablishes it with Adam, and again, he tells Adam and your seed, because it's a seed war, you know, I've been, it's, huh, uh, these, he's saying to, um, to Abraham again, I will establish a covenant and with you, with your seed, which I shall multiply, again, this whole concept, fruitfulness, multiply, making a, um, a huge uh, increase, your seed will be like the stars of the sky and the sands of the sea. The point is this Abrahamic Adamic seed, again, and this is really kind of the wrap up all the way up to our epoch at the end of the age, will bless every family in the earth. That's what it says. Because in Genesis 48, 16, Jacob, where this comes, tells uh, Joseph through Ephraim that his seed will be a melo ha goyim which is the fullness of the Gentiles. And that is where Paul gets it. So we have two things going on here. We have a blessing through Abraham that is going to be a melo ha goyim. That is the word in Hebrew. Look it up. It means fullness of the Gentiles. Then we have the birth. So what I finally understood, and this is how I'm going to teach it. I think I'm correct. You do your own research and you stand approved. I mean, I feel I stand approved now. I believe this. I, I kind of uh, satisfied my understanding. But to Ephraim, and I said in last time, both houses have the birthright. They actually have, actually the birthright was divided into three of the, the, the tribal groups. Judah, most people should understand, got the birthright. Uh, Ephraim, and these are code words, and you can follow in the storyline exactly what people group is being, uh, is being delineated, uh, became the, the Melohigoyim, the fullness of the Gentiles. And then you had the priesthood through uh, Levi, and that's another story. I'm not going to go into that one today.
the Melchizedek priesthood. All right. So let's just do this. Okay, the birthright, because what I understood when Ephraim, when it says that Ephraim is my firstborn, it's not saying that Ephraim got the birthright. What it's saying is Ephraim, and it says right there in the Hebrew, Ephraim got the blessing, but the point is you cannot get the blessing unless you actually have the birthright. In this instance with Abraham, they go together. They were, this is part of the strategy of Yah, how these, uh, this, these birthright blessings were going to be divided. Ephraim has a portion of the birthright and it's called the blessing. All right. That's why you could say Ephraim is my firstborn. Ephraim is a firstborn. So the nations have within their firstborn sons. They always have, which has been a blessing on all the earth as we will continue to see. But now the birthright comes from, you can follow this along in Strong's, this same word, these roots progressively build on each other or, or kind of give little different aspects of this whole concept where you change the vowels and sometimes the digestion things. But the first 1061 is a word, it means Bekor. Now, Bekor, B-E-K-O-R, and you take the vowel, so it's a, a um, uh, what am I thinking here? <laughs> B, K, and R. Resh, uh, Quaff, and, and um, why can't I? Bait, okay? Bait, Quaff, and Resh. Now, this, now 1061 is the word first fruits. And because, again, Israel was an agricultural, in the whole world, and it says uh, here, be fruitful and multiply. And in the Genesis, it's talking about plants and everything, animals, everything increasing. Uh, this first fruits, because there's a lot of sowed level understanding that is packed into the concept of the three harvests of Israel. Certain fruits are in the, or in fruits and spices are in the spring, certain in the summer, and certain in the fall. It's not any kind of an accident. They're deliberately, and if continuing to study deeper, you can tell exactly which <laughs> groupings and what feasts are happening, what kind of souls? And let me just say this first off. First fruits. Fruits, in the sowed level understanding, refers to the word soul. All right? I'm just telling you. That's how they're coding it. So first fruits, the first souls that are harvested. We're coming up on a harvest at the end of the age. Well, there have been other harvests of other souls. That's why there, there's other places where souls are being kept, held in reserve for the last day, for in the setting up of the millennial kingdom. It's all very clearly uncoded and defined in there. But the word we get that is most used in this context is Strong's 106.2. It is the word beraka. See, and if you have to, uh, or bek, becha, bechora, okay? This comes from, again, the root word, of 106.9, bakar, again, we have always the same, a bet, a koth, and a resh, um, but you're putting different vowels, so this has an A and an A in it, this has an E and an O, okay? The bekor versus the bakar, but it means to bear new fruit. So in other words, part of the birthright and the rights of the firstborn, in every generation where there will be new souls, where there will be new fruit, there will always be 
uh, those who hold the birthright, all right? Adamites who hold the birthright. And then you have to very quickly, this way, who did this birthright go to? It started with Adam in the garden. It went through the righteous line, Enoch, Melchizedek, um, Shem, Ham, up into Abraham. These were all known as to have the birthright. These were all the firstborns to whom the spiritual, this spiritual birthright that was given to Adam of rulership, of being a king of the earth. That's why Abraham is called. He says, I will make your name great, which is, a, a, again, an emphasis on spiritual authority. Because everything really starts in the spirit realm. If you don't have authority in the spirit realm, well, forget it, you know. Uh, you're, uh, and the, this concept of the right of the firstborn starts there to rule, to reign, to have dominion, to be the head. In other words, the head of the household. Because in Genesis, really what we're talking about is Yahweh made an incredible household. It's called Adam came in, full of all kinds of living um, souls with all different designations and places of occupation, things to do, uh, to be fruitful and multiply. It was all part of a grand uh, thing that he was doing, making sons and daughters. But again, you know, there was a fall. There was this whole concept. It, it, um, um, there was a problem in the garden. All right. But to get back to that, Yahweh is using those who are affiliated with the birthright and the blessing. If you carry these, you are really part of the work of Yahweh in redeeming the earth. All right. So this Bekor, the Bekorah, is what was transferred uh, to follow the storyline. Actually, I just want to quickly say this because I looked up every word. It, it's first usage uh, for firstborn. All right. Now, let me just explain this. In the ancient world, and this is, uh, okay, this is ancient wisdom. This is ancient understanding, but this comes from Genesis. This is instituted by Elohim. He gave this authority to Adam. Now, to a large extent, Adam lost it, and we are into its restoration, all right? But actually, all of the usages of it, it's used 123 times. It's a very complex system. There are so many um, concepts that come out of this firstborn. So not only it's the head of the house, it would be the son. Uh, and it, again, it doesn't necessarily at all mean from Yahweh's point of view, when he gives, when he designates someone in a generation or in, in air, like uh, the firstborn, they're not necessarily technically the genetic firstborn. Yahweh is always looking for a good steward. He is always looking for someone whose heart he knows. He can see they will be faithful. They will be holy. They will esteem this birthright and they will do their part in their generation. Very important principles. And that's what we see we see this kind of, you know, when Esau disdains this birthright, you know, he sells it for a mess of pottage when he's hungry. These are all, all of these ways, the first, um, about 20 uses of them, there's really not a successful firstborn. In, um, in these lineages where, so the first one is Uz, Uz, he's the firstborn of Ishmael. E, uh, Esau is called the firstborn. 
and he wants, and we know this story, but he wants his father, this is the point, to bless, and this is the word in the Hebrew, to bless his nephesh. When after he comes in, at the end, when he goes into his father, Jacob, who's old, did I get that right? I can, where are we? We are with Esau, who goes into Isaac to get the blessing. And he says, bless his nephesh. This is another clue that we are talking about here in the context of be fruitful and multiply. It is a bounty and a blessing and an increase and a favor and a, of, of the bounty of the earth. It's a, it's a physicality. It's a materiality. It's an abundance. It, it's wealth. It, it tied to it is great, um, great physical and material blessings. And I've said this in the other videos, uh, because if you're the firstborn, that means you're the head of the house. That means you are responsible for your brothers. That means you have a mission in your generation, especially like we can see this in the story of Abraham, how Yahweh made him a great man, a great king with great renown and made him fabulously wealthy so that he could do his commission. You know, if Yahweh, if he calls you, he will equip you. Now, you know, so technically that has always been the better part of the deal, especially for people who are carnal-minded. Oh, let me get the blessing. I mean, then I can, you know, that. But if you look at it, it's really interesting in the beginning. All of these firstborns are really not up to snuff. They're, they're, they're all kind of evil. They're wicked. They use it. They want it for carnal reasons. They're not interested really in the plan of Elohim. Um, so you have it... Uh, Esau, we know this. Reuben lost, he was the firstborn of the 12, of the 12 tribes. He lost the birthright position uh, because he was unstable as water. In other words, his character, he did not have the character to bear up under the heat of the day to, to carry this important firstborn responsibility, especially for his brothers. Um, the son of El Elipas, Eliapaz, who was, and I believe, and I think, I think I'm correct on this, he was uh, the steward of the house for Abraham. He was a descendant of Esau, and there's verses that even say, because I am of the wrong seed, because I am of the cursed seed, which what they're talking about is that they did not, that seed line did not get this birthright. Um, he cannot inherit, he cannot inherit this uh, birthright firstborn blessing. So he's got to find a wife for his son. That's the whole story. He's got to go and find a wife for Jacob that will uh, be of the bloodline and be able to uh, receive this birthright for the next generation. Um, Judah is, and, and Tamar, that whole relationship, the firstborn out of that one um, uh, is wicked and dies. I think it's own. Oh, and all right. So there again. Now Joseph names his firstborn Manasseh, or we're told Manasseh is the firstborn. But if you follow the uh, storyline, uh, who gets the blessing? Who gets it is um is Manasseh, all right? Who is not technically the firstborn? And so we see again and again, Yahweh is looking at the heart. He tells you. There's something very important in having this birthright. And truly, this birthright was given 
to Judah. Judah, it says, who will prevail among his, above his brothers. Judah, after he ended up selling Joseph, you know, being part of the big cabal to sell Joseph, he really repented. He grew up. If you read, you know, the writings, it will really explain how his character did develop, how he really did repent, how he really did, and his descendants and Yasod could be worthy of keeping this birthright. And this is what Judah has done. Uh, to, to their praise. And it says that the brothers will praise Judah for this ability. All right. So, um, so like I was saying, this concept of this firstborn, and then with the firstborn, there are what the rights of the firstborn. Okay. Very important principle. Um, has passed, when it finally did get to Abraham, it went into Isaac. And then it was reconfirmed to the 12 sons of Jacob through Jacob. And different portions of it were given out. Now, that's a very established storyline. But the concept that what's kind of gotten a little bit lost in this whole, I think, discussion of the two houses, especially from the Jews' point of view. I mean, I, Judah, I love Judah, and I have always given Judah a big pass. But in this one can't because this is a front and center discussion now because so many Jews in Israel, like I said, are becoming messianic. Um, this whole discussion is beginning to heat up and there's a lot of pushback from the sages, the rabbis. All right. There's a lot at stake here, but if people, again, just humble myself, if, if you want just the truth and you don't want to have to defend your particular piece of the puzzle or the way, whatever, you'll find it. Otherwise it really is quite a mess. Now, let me just go to this other word. Uh, and let me just say this too. The birthright was the first thing that Esau sold in our storyline for a red lentil stew. All right. And, and that has a lot of, you know, red is a very important understanding in that. Um, lentils. It, it, but that's so level understanding. I'm not going to go to today. But I'm telling you, this is why these words, every word has a... If there's a remez in it, there's a hint to something deeper. Now, so we're following across for the birthright, Bekor, Bekor, Bakar, the first fruits, and the Bekarah is always has to do with the rights of the firstborn. Okay. Now, the second part of this thing is the blessing. This is a totally different word with a totally different concept. Uh, the blessing comes from this root word always of 1288, and this is used in Genesis. All right. Actually, one two eight eight and one two nine three. So the bakar, they're very similar. See, this is what's so great. Is why Hebrew is so precise. You have to pay attention to the details, to the language. Um, barach, the K is at the end. It's a but and a resh, but then you get the cough at the end. Okay. Uh, what it means, and it really means to receive a blessing, but the con is to kneel and receive a blessing. There's a, sec there's a concept of humility in this. There's a concept, and this is why kneeling is very important. This is why in the blessings, there's a, you, you bow your head. There's a receiving going on, all right? Because you're receiving something tremendous, and there is a humility built into it. But, so the word kneel is built into this word, but it also it means a blessing, all right? It means divine favor. I mean, who doesn't... <laughs> have you ever tried to do something, you know, and, and try to get success when you, when you don't have divine favor? It's very difficult. So anyways, 
The, the other roots that come from this is, is the 1289 Belach, uh, one, which, is very, which is really the Aramaic. So this is what happens a lot. So this is in the Hebrew. This is more the Aramaic. Belach, uh, same word, same meaning and everything. Then you have the knee, which is um, sometimes it's used for childbirth. Again, this is why there's such an emphasis. Huh, this is why in the ancient culture, children, the firstborn, the one, the first of the matrix breaks the womb, who is the first, uh, the strength of the, of, you know, there's kind of, is this the virility, the strength of the man, and it breaks the, um, the womb of the woman. That's a very important concept here. But basically, it comes down to one, two, nine, three in your strongs. Baracha, okay? So we've got Bera and Bechor. Very important. They're very similar, but they're very different. Uh, so this is why it's important. This is why with translations, if you're looking at these in the, in the, in the translations, you'll never see this because it's been lost, all right? but it's being restored. So again, in this is the kind of fruitful, multiply, this is what it says in Genesis. Um, it is the blessings of the, they said to give to Joseph, of the womb, of the deep, of the breast. These are all things of, of, of the land will give its, uh, give its prosperity. These are all part of the blessings that will come about. Now, uh, Okay, so Jacob, now, and this is the one thing that's important, which is very interesting. Again, a little more so level understanding here. When, in the story of uh, Joseph, he brings his two boys. It's Genesis uh, 48. Uh, Wait a minute, wait a minute, just 49. Genesis 48 and 49, the story where Jacob... Um, is sick and he's old. So they know you always pass the blessing on towards the end of a person's life. It's like making your last will and testament. Who are you going to give all your money to, right? <laughs> and all the children will get a portion, but whoever is designated to receive this blessing gets the bulk, gets, a, gets the lion's share. And, and it's not to be used for just carnal consumption. It is because it is needed because the responsibility to take care of and to almost to be able to raise an army if needed, you know, f to protect the seed line. I mean, this is in many cultures, but it's especially prominent in our Torah because this is exactly what we see coming down between our patriarchs, all right? So when Jacob, Manasseh is the firstborn, when, when Joseph brings them into the room. He places the boys in front of Jacob, and he places Manasseh on the right side, so that so that Jacob just has to take his right hand and put it right on the kid's head. It's always the right hand of blessing. The other thing, this is what's very important in the Bible: the left hand and the right hand. They symbolize different things: the left side and the right side. All right, and the right side is the side that carries the blessing. That if you get the, the right hand hand on your head, that is totally telling everyone, you're receiving the, the blessing, the right hand, all right? Blessing. But what happens is Jacob crosses his hands, right? And he puts his right hand over a cross onto Ephraim's head. 
and then flip side, he places his left hand on Manasseh. Again, this is so interesting because again, Manasseh was the firstborn, he should have got it, but what did Jacob see? What, what did the Ruach, again, looking inside, this is what Yah says, I don't look at the outward appearances, meaning I'm not looking at birth order, I'm not looking at what you see, you know, I'm looking at the heart, and there's something in Ephraim, which is even more funny, because if you read deeply into the, uh, the writings, you'll find out, they'll say that, that, that Jacob like almost gassed, he did this through a leading of the Ruach. And then he kind of gasped at this. He's like, who are these? And he's seeing, you know, these people, I just, we could understand the level of prophecy, the level of intimacy, the level of really it is prophecy to see. All right, these are not normal guys. These are, these are giants and kings in, in meditative in um how do i want to say this in their spiritual giants all right so here's jacob he's able to see into the future and he sees some of the descendants of ephraim <laughs> he sees jeroboam and he's like oh my gosh who is this well look what he's doing all right and he sees the the two kingdoms he sees the split he sees all this and he's like oh i hope i'm not making a mistake all right but no there is you know, again, we have to, Yahweh knows what he's doing. So this blessing goes to Ephraim. This blessing, and again, it's a blessing. It is the fullness. That's why Ephraim, the fullness of the Gentiles, knowing ahead of time that these, this seed, the northern kingdom, through Ephraim, receive this blessing. This is the people group, truly, that is going to go out into the nations Every single family of the earth is going to be touched and blessed through this Haya, um, uh, let me see, Melo Hagoyim, all right? This is, this is very important to understand because when you get to Paul, you'll never really understand the mystery that he saw, again, a spiritual giant who could see, read, read the sowed level understanding and get the level of prophecy that is embedded in that for the time and the season that it needs right then to be released. That's why I say this level of prophecy, the, gentle, the time of the Gentiles is done, all right? This is a so level of understanding. And if you don't want to be like Paul, kicking against the pricks, <laughs> all right? You need to, uh, now, the other thing that I want to start teaching again, because I'm going to determine where the blessings, where the tribes went. The thing is, this is again, it's not looking for genetic per se markers, even though they can be, it can be tracked, all right? Not all Israel is of Israel. Built into this is a genetic marker, like a honing device, like a GPS, to anyone who has this seed in them who wants to respond to the gospel. So we are not just talking, we are talking about the mixed multitude that is like bake makes up basically most of the earth, all right? Now, let me just say this again at this point, all right? Because if you want to identify people groups, we know that Judah has the birthright. Now, within this was also the fact that they would get the lineage of the king. That's why it attacks a lot of times House of David, all right? The inhabitants of Jerusalem. There's a lot of key words that go in the, with the concept of the scepter. That they will, that Judah will, will 
has received the scepter. The king, the Mashiach, will be coming through the bloodline of Judah. That's, that's part and parcel of that. That's very important to understand. It's actually been history at this point. But the second coming of Mashiach, Mashiach, Messiah ben David, will also be a Davidian prince. You can't get around it. All right? So Yeshua, the first time, even though he was in the archetype of Messiah ben Joseph, he was of the genetics of the birthright lineage of the house of David, of the um, Davidic princes. Okay, you see, but within this, in the birthright, Judah, it, it's told in the scriptures, all right? There are only about 15 million Jews in the world today, all right? Now, by anybody's mathematical estimations, that is not a multitude. That is not a fullness in the whole earth, all right? We're a couple billion. So 15 million is what is called a remnant. And that's exactly what Judah is. Judah, and will be praised because it has the only tribe and those who have, these are cobras who, who have affiliated themselves with Judah all, from the beginning, all right, all through the exiles, uh, will have, is a remnant. There's no getting around it. You know, in the USA, there's about six and a half million Jews. In, in Israel, there's more in America, actually, than there is in the land. I think there's about five million five hundred again uh, in Israel. Then you have France, Canada, Britain, Russia, Argentina, Jumi. Those all have the bulk of the Jews in them, all right, these countries. But Ephraim, this is the point. The blessing through Abraham, and this is why Again, the Abrahamic religions are important. Why every family in this will be called, will be blessed through Abraham, because they are the fullness through Ephraim. And this is the other thing I wanted to say: Ephraim is a code word for the Northern Kingdom, right? Because they were the strongest tribe. They received it was actually on the head of Ephraim that this blessing was was locked down and transferred. All right, Ephraim. Uh, but there were many other tribes. Like, like I said, there were 10 basic tribes affiliated with this uh, northern kingdom. And it's a fascinating story. But Ephraim, and that tribe, and especially in the disper dis uh, disbursements, uh, starting with the very first, uh, they were dispersed from the land in, in about uh, 7, 800 BC. Uh, they were the first to go, they went in three waves because they became completely apostate. They, they just broke covenant and Yahweh finally divorced them and sent them off the land. And this is where, but doesn't mean, see, he divorced them, but he didn't. So he says the gifts and the calling of Elohim. Judah, totally, you know, both of these, and this is what I show them in the next video, both houses have done a deplorable job. I mean, you're talking about deplorables in one sense. I mean, yeah, the story of both of these houses being full of idols and being at points worthless <laughs> to their Elohim in terms of giving him glory on all the, in all the earth. Okay, that's part of the story. But um, in the end, it is from these two groups, the mellow, Hagoyim 
and the remnant of Judah where all Israel will be collected from. All right. And it is, so in my opinion, when the, when, it, when the Jews are trying to say, you know, they don't know where the lost tribes are, I don't think that's honest anymore because I think there's enough understanding. They do know where a lot of the tribes went. But my point is, it's not, I'm not preaching to anybody, British Israelism. I'm not preaching just, you know, uh, the Northern European tribes who founded this nation. And that's very accurate and true. But this seed, and I'm going to put it, is in all the earth. This is the most amazing story. And there's enough information out there, but it has been so buried and hidden it, 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 by both houses. It, it's amazing and astounding. But as I have said, this is extremely important to understand. Uh, Israel is my son and is my firstborn. And that is the phrase that, that um, Moshe was told to tell Pharaoh when it was over, when it was game over, the deliverer was sent and their redemption drew not. Well, back to, you know, fast forward, here we are at the end of 6,000 years. I told you Pharaoh is a code word for the demonic realm or for the God of this world. And Yahweh is saying today the same thing to the nations. He's saying, Israel is my son, my firstborn. You were to let them go so they can come and worship me and become the unified, the unified, what they were always meant to be, all Israel, which will receive in the millennial kingdom a full uh, manifestation of the birthright blessings, and they will rule and reign with our king, our soon-to-come king, Yahweh Elohim. So I hope that cleared up a few things, blessed you. We're going to come back in the next video, and I'm going to give you again two houses. We're going to talk about, oh my gosh, it, it's so when you see this, it's everywhere. To houses, to nations, to families, to sisters, to sticks, to olive trees. I mean, it's over and over and over in archetype. And, you know, as I said, the prophets were confused. And we're coming out of our confusion into a glorious So on that note, shalom. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Maybe you have some questions or would like to share your thoughts. Liz would love to chat with you about it, so head on over to the website, theelectlife.org. That's one word, theelectlife.org. Or if you prefer, you can leave your comments on the Liz Begier YouTube channel. And if you're over on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe and hit the bell so you won't miss out on anything new. Tune in next week as Liz brings out more on the mysteries that matter and more food for the soul. Thanks for tuning in. Shalom.